Welcome to episode 10 of the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert Hazelton and I'll be your host. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about Doctor Who again because I've got a little bit of a recant to do from last week. I'm also going to talk about some Destiny 2 stuff, give an update about the role-playing game I'm working on, talk about blood rights and some other interesting Society Case Files nonsense. So, I got a lot to talk about. We're going to dive right in. So last week I talked about Doctor Who quite a bit and one of the things that I brought up was my feelings about the character of River Song. I also said that uh, I hadn't quite finished the season yet so I shouldn't have really gone quite as far as I did with what I had to say but uh, I'm an opinionated ass so there it is. But in any event we did finish the part one of season seven which sort of wraps up the... uh, wraps up a major part of the storyline and I could say that I was wrong about River in some ways um I think the writing was the writing was good but there was a mistake here and that mistake was that River acts like everyone's in the know early on when you are introduced to her and once you finally understand that she's flirting and being playful with her family it makes all the smugness so much easier to endure, and it actually makes it likable. But until that point, you would think that she would know better and sort of treat these people as the strangers they essentially are. Because what really happens here is we end up with all of the other characters being confused, and she's sort of playing out this role, and the role works great at the end of part one season seven but earlier than that it was just it's just weird and that's where she rubbed me wrong but the funny part is now that i've seen it all the way through and and had the big reveal and then went beyond that i have to say i feel like i need to go back and watch again so that i can really appreciate her character the way i think she was intended to be appreciated so uh I do recant all of that stuff. I mean, I was pretty passionate, I admit. I still stand by the fact that it was written in such a way that if you were going into it the way I was, which was fairly blind, then there was a chance you wouldn't like that character. And then all of a sudden you do. And now I honestly, I feel a bit like an ass. Probably should have finished, but whatever. You know, sometimes that happens. And entertainment doesn't have to always make you happy. Sometimes entertainment is going to challenge you or surprise you in ways that aren't necessarily pleasant. And regardless of how much you actually like something um, as a whole, an individual part doesn't necessarily have to ruin it all for you. I wasn't going to stop watching Doctor Who because River Song annoyed me. Uh, I was just not as happy to see her all the time. At this point, I will say that I'll probably be fairly excited to see River Song show up. Now that I understand her story and kind of get where she's coming from and have had the full experience, I feel like I'm going to be able to appreciate her involvement in the overall universe a lot more. And uh, speaking on that note, as I draw close to the end of Matt Smith's tenure as Doctor Who, I'm I'm pretty upset about it. You know, when I first started uh, with his first season, I wasn't really excited about him that much. It took a long time to grow on me. But once he did, I, I have to say I'm in love with this doctor. He's awesome. He's not my favorite. He did not. Uh, overtake David Tennant because I think that would be part near to impossible how much I liked him but I will say 
he was really awesome. And uh, as we've moved into the um, Clara episodes, I've really enjoyed his interactions with her and that new companion. So it's going to be hard to see him go and move into the Capaldi era, uh, especially considering that some people have told me that they didn't really like that uh, that that particular turn for the series. Um, one last thing, you know, a lot of people warned me that uh, the second two seasons of Matt Smith were far worse than the first, and I'm going to have to say I disagree. I like the next two much better. Season six and seven were a lot more fun for me than uh, his first. In fact, the first one felt really rough, like they just weren't quite there yet, and then it sort of fell into stride with the next two. So for me, I'm really happy with what I've received from the Matt Smith Moffat stuff, uh, season six and seven. And, uh, you know, it's really neat to have uh, Richard E. Grant show up as a villain in the part two of season seven. It's interesting that he didn't get as many specials as David Tennant did, but I can kind of see it. Uh, I saw some of the headlines where he left and it, it seemed like he was kind of on an expeditious retreat. I haven't read about that yet, but that's certainly how it seemed. But, uh, Anyway, that's it for Doctor Who this week. Uh, I will have much more to say because I'm going to try and make a big push to finish off the Season 7 with Matt Smith and actually see his transition to Peter Cabaldi. So I think I'll have a lot to talk about then. But for now, let's move on. As of the recording of this podcast, it is September 30th, and tomorrow is the first day of the new Destiny expansion, Shadowkeep. And in preparation of that, there was one particular quest that I was absolutely terrified of losing my progress. And I didn't know for a fact it would happen when they transitioned over, but the threat of it alone was enough to compel me to get something done that I'd been putting off for far too long. And that is a quest called, uh, well, it was for a weapon called Redrix's Broadsword. And basically, what that is, is a pulse rifle that you get from a very long uh, quest that involves lots and lots and lots of PvP. And we're just going to go through the steps really quick. Uh, the first one was that in the Crucible, you had to defeat 200 opponents with pulse rifle final blows. So, technically, that's not so bad because you're probably going to get that fairly naturally if you enjoy using pulse rifles anyway, which I did. So I was kind of in luck. When I got that first quest step, I was like, oh, sweet. This is going to be a pretty easy one to bust out. Can't tell you how long it took, but it was a little while. And when I finally got it done, it opens up the next step. Now, at the time, I wasn't really trying to get anything in particular done. I wasn't hitting the internet to find out about quest steps and all that kind of thing. But I, I honestly, I didn't even know it would open a second uh, step. So the second step in the process was to get Valorank Heroic, which you pretty much get just by playing the game, and if you've got 200 opponent kills with pulse rifles, it's very likely you've already reached this uh, state and that level. Now, when I first started, they didn't have the tiered system that Gambit introduced, so you were just brave, guardian, whatever. Now, at this point, when I recently finished, they had the tiered thing where you did three levels of each of them, so three heroics, three mythics, whatever. Um, anyway, step two was so easy that I thought, wow, this is going to be a pretty painless process. Still hadn't looked up the quest yet. I still didn't know what was coming, which might have been good. I might not have completed it had I looked ahead and seen how crazy it ends up getting. 
So step three involved getting 75 double play medals. And what that means is that you rapidly kill two enemy opponents in, in succession. So, and you have to do it 75 times. That sounded like not too many, but to be quite honest, I wasn't that great at PVP at the time, especially with my Hunter. So I took a long hiatus from playing the Hunter and I ended up trying out the Titan. So in PVP, I just had a much better time with that character. But eventually, I, I made it back to my hunter. I mean, that was my main. That's the character I really wanted to finish stuff on. So, went back to the hunter, and I and I got those seventy-five double plays. I can't tell you exactly how long it took because, quite frankly, that was quite a while ago when I even started it. But uh, I don't remember it taking too long. Step four involved getting one hundred fifty opponent kills with precision final blows from any pulse rifle. Again, if you enjoy using pulse rifles, this wasn't that big of a deal, and it did not take that long. I really actually didn't mind that one so much. It was one of those situations that just playing the game would eventually get you through that step. Step five, on the other hand, is when we start to go into stuff that kind of sucks. You had to get 50 opponent kills with arc final blows, 50 with solar, and 50 with void. Now... I can't say it took a long time, it just wasn't as much fun because it kind of forces you to use weapons that you're not as familiar with, and therefore, ultimately, it takes longer to get through. Now, step six is where I was stuck for, I don't even know how long, a couple of months. And this is the step that I picked up at the beginning of last week, where you had to complete 25 quick play matches, 25 competitive, and 25 rumble. I had finished the quick play matches. That's so easy, it's ridiculous, because if you play any PvP, you'll probably bust that out. Now, Rumble, on the other hand, is not really something I ever wanted to play, but I jumped into it, and I found out that this is true of a lot of people, because there are tons of AFKers in there. In fact, I even won one of the matches when I was doing it. So, I had quick play, and I had Rumble, but competitive is miserable. The matches are really long, it's frustrating because if you care at all about your uh, ratings, then you're playing with with pugs and, you know, most of them don't care or they just they don't use teamwork. And I don't know why, but psychologically for me, it just drove me nuts. So I was only at six at the beginning of last week. And I finally I said, you know, if this expansion is going to reset this quest, I'm going to be really upset that I had done all this other work only to fumble at this point. So I finally got them all done, and it did take quite some time, I have to admit. To bust out 20-some competitive matches, I'd say I played for... Uh, I'd say at least it took nine hours, maybe. Um, mostly because I think I, I had to take breaks and stuff, but nine nine hours of competitive to finish that up. Step 7 was actually fairly simple by comparison. You just had to complete 20 Crucible Bounties. So the way I managed to get this done relatively fast was I did, uh, I got up early and I did 5 Crucible Bounties in the morning right when I was about to finish the uh, last of my competitive matches. And then I waited until the step completed and then when step seven began, I turned in those bounties, grabbed five more, finished those, and I was already halfway done in a, in a single day. Uh, and then two days later, I had finished all of the Crucible bounties. The final step, the, the big finale, if you will, is that you had to reset your Valor rank five times within a single season. Now, this one intimidated me the most, but I had already done two completions 
of my Valor ranking this season. And I was on the verge of a third one just from doing all those other matches. So the good news is that the last week before Shadowkeep came out, they um, released Mayhem. So I flipped it so that I had done four, and then I needed to do one more. Well, that took a grand total of 12 hours of Mayhem. I finished several other small quests along the way and got a ton of stuff. So much stuff, it's ridiculous. I think I had... 40 legendary shards when I started and now I'm well over 200 again. It was pretty nuts all of the crazy stuff that I picked up along the way. So here's the funny part about it. When I flipped over from 3 to 4 it didn't acknowledge it at first. So I rebooted the game in hopes that that would fix it and I would suddenly have credit for all the work I had just done. But the server was down. So there was all kinds of problems. It was saying my version was out of date on and on. And who knew when it was coming back up and feeling this pressure because I got to do at least one more flip and possibly two now, which was incredibly disheartening. And of course, at that point, I have to wonder, well, what happens if I do two more and it doesn't acknowledge another one or something like that? But I got back in eventually and it had acknowledged it by rebooting. So everything was fine. I just had to do one more. And that final, that final flip was actually pretty freaking intense. I played so much mayhem. I have to say, I almost got to the point where I didn't remember how to play PvE. I went off and did something just to test out the gun after I got it, and uh, it felt weird shooting uh, opponents that didn't bounce around like bunny rabbits all the time. So, in any event, I did flip the final time. I went and got the broadsword. It looked pretty darn neat. I was really happy about it, but, you know, I couldn't really celebrate so much because I had played so many matches. I just wanted to stop. And uh, now that I've got it, I could at least say, well, you know what? No matter what they reset when Shadowkeep comes out, at least this PvP nonsense is over. And uh, I I can go into it without worry in that regard. I do have some exotic quests that I really hope stay. Uh, I'm at the very end of the Izignami Burden, the the sniper rifle for the Black Armory. It's right there. I just have to do the stupid strike at the end. Uh, I've got some others that are kind of like that too, but uh, we'll see what happens when Shadowkeep comes out. It is tomorrow as of this recording, and I'll definitely have something to say about Destiny uh, for the next podcast. Uh, we'll see what uh, what it's like. Now that it's gone free to play and it's going to be on Steam and all those folks will be jumping on board for the first time potentially. So I'm I'm actually pretty excited, but I'm also leery. And, uh, you know, this is really going to be Destiny 3 in a lot of ways with all the new stuff they're adding. So if you haven't tried it before, it is going to be free to play uh, starting on October 1st through Steam. I definitely think you should give it a try. Free is is definitely worth it. Uh, Destiny has changed a lot, and if you only played at the very beginning of the Destiny 2 experience, I think you'll find a lot of the stuff that people complained about has been corrected and should be a lot of fun for you. So give it a try. You won't be disappointed. All right, I got a few updates about my own work that I want to talk about. I'm going to start with the Blood Rites animation. I've made some pretty serious headway on that. I'm really excited to share it, but I am still working on the animation phase. I just did a major combat. It was super fun. 
Uh, it's already twice as long as the uh, first episode I posted on YouTube. And all around, I say that it's a lot better. I've learned so much. Part of me wants to scrap it and start on the next project just because I've learned so much. But it is, it's just too cool to do that. So I'm going to continue to learn with Blood Rites. I'm going to finish that off. And I will release it pretty darn soon. I suspect it's going to be around a half an hour long. Right now, we're, we're encroaching 10 minutes. So it all just depends on how crazy things get. I've learned so much just by constraining myself. One of the things that uh, Martin Scorsese says in that master class that's available is that your job as a director is just overcoming problems. So the best way to learn, of course, is to find those problems and encounter them and, and, and defeat them. In this case, uh, the last combat I did for uh, the story involves a, a pretty narrow hallway. So I had to come up with a way to make all of that work and not have clipping, pay attention to the details, make sure feet weren't going through the floor, all that great stuff. And I haven't even started dealing with sound design yet, which, to be perfectly honest, I have, I have no concerns about that. I can do that pretty easy. I've got a great way of recording sound effects. I've got all the music under control. It's just a matter of getting the animation completed to my specifications. And so far, it's looking really good. I really enjoy it. I know that the next one is going to be way better. But as far as a first attempt to create a semi-feature-length animation, I'm really proud of it. I can't say it's perfect. That would be ridiculous. There's so many little things that I've learned to do since doing scenes that are already completed and I've done a bunch of effects too. I just... I'm not going to go back and do those again. That's something that I'd like to talk about briefly for people who do create things. It's it's important to get things as good as you can at the time that you're doing them. But you don't want to fall into a trap of constantly redoing things. Even Neil Gaiman, he talks about there's there's a certain point where you have to stop and apply everything you've learned to the next thing. Because there's still value in what you've done. You've still created something that is worth sharing and continuing on with. But when you get to a point where you're like, wow, I know so much now. I want to redo this. And it may not be the best plan. It might be better to just apply that to whatever you're going to do after that. And it helps you to stay motivated to continue to create. Because you don't want to dump all of your efforts into a single project that that becomes your sole purpose. What you want to do is continually learn so that everything you make after that just keeps getting better and better. And I'm applying that with blood rights. I do have to remind myself of it continually and not decide to go back and redo things just because I found a new technique that might make it easier or better. Now, that said, if I find a technique that makes something so easy that it's only going to take a few minutes, then absolutely I jump back. But if it's something that's like, well, it's still going to have taken six hours to do that, then I'm like, eh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. I'll just keep it in mind for the next time. So as a case in point, uh, I was watching the video back just to see what I thought, make sure that I'm on the right page, and that as I continue to make animations and scenes, that uh, they stay consistent with the rest of the project. And I found a scene that would have been perfect to basically turn it into sort of a security camera. It's literally an eight second, maybe maybe fifteen second at most scene. And I went out and I learned exactly how to make the overlay. I animated that overlay. I then made it sort of that blurry, um, snowy effect that you see in some of the more crappy closed circuit TV cameras. 
and I, I got it all done, but it did take me the better part of a couple hours to learn all of that stuff and just master that, that technique. Will it take that long next time? Absolutely not. I will be able to nail it much quicker. And of course, I saved what I did so that I could very easily apply it to another security camera in the future so that at least my animations will remain consistent. The good stuff I keep for next time. The bad stuff or or stuff that is just passable, I always am looking for ways to make that look better or come off in a more professional way. So... Anyway, Blood Rites coming very soon, and I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to share that with everybody. And in that same vein, I want to talk about the side-scrolling video game that I'm about to start working on. Uh, Many of the techniques I learned during the Blood Rites process, I'm going to be able to apply to a video game through Unity. And I'm really pumped up about that because the engine that I found to use has so many awesome options. And it went from being just a um, Metroidvania-style game to a lot more potential. I saw someone use this to do a partial visual novel slash adventure game, which is what I'm more interested in doing. So I can actually have conversation. I can have some dialogue uh, with action and investigation stuff going on. So uh, I'm not sure how long that's going to take. I haven't really dove in yet. I've watched a bunch of tutorials, and I feel confident that I'll be able to make something really cool. But I'm not really going to start that until sometime in October and then really focus on it through until next year sometime. So anyway, we're really looking forward to getting that side-scrolling game out. That will be a new Society Case Files Uh, adventure to participate the first interactive one that i'm able to do so very excited for that i will be posting images and stuff as it comes up Uh, but look forward to more information about that probably later on in october maybe into november so sometime back i had mentioned on this podcast that i was working on a role-playing game and i really couldn't speak too much about the system stuff well, some things happened, and it got dramatically delayed, but I can tell you that I am back on track with this, and I've done some planning, so there will be a core book that has some some basic characters that you can indulge. You could play a basic wizard, a uh, basic demon, uh, there's going to be werewolves, uh, the three main vampires from the world, uh, the three types of vampires will be available, and uh, fairies, I'll introduce them as well. And then I've actually planned out the expansion books that I intend to release as well. Uh, We're going to have one that is dedicated to wizards and witches that really dives into the different kinds of schools of magic and the specialties that are available to them. I'll then work on a project for vampires that has um, the seers and the cursed kind and and that sort of thing. Then we're going to work on a demon book that uh, has the magus and the peddlers and the tempters. They'll all be in there. We're going to move on to light creatures, which have the guardian cats, angels, Noctis. Uh, Then we'll do a dark creatures book that can talk about dark fairies, shadow vampires, shadow worshippers, that sort of thing. And then the final book that I intend to work on until I come up with more information is a dimensional theories book. That'll talk about the order of Kronos that basically governs time in our world. Uh, Different monsters that don't really qualify for any of the other creatures we talked about. Uh, horrors from beyond things that are sort of cthulhu like in the society case files world 
and of course just dimensions in general how those extra dimensions are created used by wizards to teleport around in and that kind of thing uh, if you've checked out my book fairy tale ending there is a portal that takes the characters to another world that uh, is basically like a fairy tale legend it's got the Grimm's fairy tales all over the place and i'll be detailing those kinds of worlds so the role-playing game has a lot of potential that is coming soon and i'm really excited about it too but it's going to take just a little bit longer keep an eye out on the website watch the coffee site i'll post as much as i can when i can I'm working on a a new version of the book cover, and I'm hoping that that will be done this evening. And if it's up to my standards, I'll absolutely share it. So I'm hoping to build a little bit of hype, uh, get people behind the project, and see what uh, folks think. Uh, But I really do want to share this as soon as possible and get people playing in the world of Society Case Files. I'd love to hear the stories that people come up with using this this setting, because I've been able to make some great stuff, and I know that folks out there are going to do the same. So... That is coming super soon. The Cat Who series. I recently did an image with uh, Blaze facing down a werewolf. Their noses are touching. They're kind of looking at each other's eyes. And as a lark, I just did the text that says the cat who sniffed the werewolf. Somebody saw that and they thought that that might be a new book. I hadn't really intended it to be because I was just being silly. But now that I think about it, I kind of like the idea. Obviously, I can't do the cat who pawed the Dalek, but I get to decide on whether or not I'm going to do the cat who bit the demon or the werewolf one first. I don't know which one I want to write. Obviously, at this point, I'll probably do both. I needed to uh, plan out the series anyway, and I really only had up to the demon book. But now that I've just thrown this werewolf thing out there i feel like the cat series really has a long way to go and so i'm really excited that people have seen the artwork and and gotten excited about it too just writing about the guardian cats is fun the characters are just they're just neat and they're not as harsh or morose as some of my other work gets even full circle uh, as funny as some of the parts are it gets a little bit dark so doing the young adult stuff it's just a lot more lighthearted. even when it gets harsh and the characters are faced with extreme peril it's still a lot of fun uh, i just like those characters so much and i'm introducing a few new kids in the demon one because it takes place in england this time instead of at the holstrom sanctum and i don't know um i'm just really excited about it i'm I'm really pumped up about everything i'm working on right now and and sometimes that's not the case Uh, anybody out there who does creative work knows that there are cycles where it's just difficult to get motivated and it's it's hard to stay focused and that's where we get back to things like the war on art with uh, from Pressfield and remind ourselves that there are going to be ups and downs that we are going to face moments where we don't necessarily want to work on something or we've lost the passion for it temporarily but it always comes back if you let it you will always find that passion again you'll fall in love with your work all over again every time as long as you let yourself do it now you can kill yourself with with self-doubt and anger and you can fall into a passion cycle Now, what I mean by passion cycle is, oh my God, I'm really excited. I can't wait to get to work on this project. It's amazing. To, wow, I suck at everything and it's just going to be garbage anyway. So I may as well just watch TV for five hours and go to bed. 
you might have a decent enough job to where occasionally you think, you know what, why am I even bothering to work on this novel, painting, music project when I make enough money to live and I could just hang out and watch a movie? When I first started learning to play the guitar, I, I took lessons. And the fellow who was my teacher, he, he was okay. He was the kind of person that you definitely needed for your beginning classes. He, he taught me the basics. He taught me chords, how to read music, that sort of thing. And he, he wasn't super hip. He wasn't really like going out gigging all the time. He was a guy who knew his stuff, and he, he, he was able to impart it to me. And I'll never forget, I had... I don't know, I was I was only 9 or 10 years old, and I wasted a lot of time one full week. I did not practice the things that he presented to me. So we, uh, we get to the lesson, and quite honestly, I didn't know anything that he had taught me the week before. All the stuff that I had to have mastered by the time I came back, I just didn't do. Because I didn't have the discipline, and uh, I just sucked. So, um, that, you know, that's just how it was. And he stood up, and he was obviously very frustrated. Now, looking back on it, I'm sure I'm, I'm tainting this with some, some memory. It's been a long time. But he sat there, and he, he stares out the window. And he finally turns to me and says, Listen, your father is wasting his money on these lessons. If you really don't have any passion for this, then you should just have him give that money to you to buy CDs and listen to other people do this. Because you clearly do not have what it takes if you're not going to practice. And, I mean, that may have seemed particularly harsh to a kid at the time, but it was the, it was the kick that I needed. Now, for whatever reason, that worked on me. Some people probably wouldn't have worked on it. In fact, they might have been like, you know what, screw you. I'm just going to learn on my own or I'm going to find a better teacher or whatever the case may be. But what it did for me was it really did instill me a sense of, of discipline. Now, back then... Uh, to be perfectly honest, shaming students was was a viable means of getting them to do things. It worked in my elementary school. It worked in my junior high school, to date myself even more. It worked in high school. It worked all over the place. Shaming was a valid method to, to push us over uh, a hump of indifference. Um, that does not work anymore. I can attest to that because I've seen people attempt to do so in the workplace. In the early 90s, it was actually fairly effective to get an employee to start performing better. But uh, once I started working in the corporate sector here in 2005 on, shaming people literally just caused grief. If they didn't outright quit or start looking for another job instantly, it just built a friction between you because nobody wants to be shamed. But for whatever reason... Shaming worked with my discipline as a younger person, and from that point on, I was always able to be very self-motivated and have the discipline to embrace whatever I'm trying to learn and follow through. So whatever method you use in order to do that for yourself, you just have to maintain it. Whether you think back to a time in your life that somebody was willing to lay it out straight for you and just give it to you, uh, keep it real, as they say, or if it was just an epiphany you had. Maybe you read a book that gave you some inspiration or motivation. But you need that motivation, and it has to stick. You can't allow yourself to fall into a trap of, you know what, all I'm going to do today is I'm going to binge watch Netflix, I'm going to go to bed, and I'm going to get back to the grind. 
if you have a fire to build something or create, then you've got to continue to kindle that flame. You don't want it to peter out because you're afraid of failure or you're afraid that whatever you're going to create isn't going to be good enough. That's ridiculous. I just saw a quote from Neil Gaiman the other day. He's doing one of his seminars and he asked everybody in the audience, hey, who wants to tell stories? And a bunch of people freaked out and they waved their hands and he says, cool, start telling stories. And someone says, wait, that's it? And he goes, yeah, pretty much. That's it. And that's the case with almost anything you want to do. Just do it. Just start doing it. Start that painting. Start that project. Just get it done and follow through. That's the key. Always follow through. Don't give up. I implore you as somebody who has been there. I mean, I had a great job. There were nights that I'd come home and I'd just be like, you know what? I just don't care anymore. I'm done. But I bounced back and I know that everyone else can too. It's really important that you continue to do that because what is far more guilt-inducing than failure is giving up. You will feel much worse about stopping a project you wanted to get done than you ever will when you finish it and it's not up to whatever standards you have. That first completion, that is the gateway to never stopping. But if you stop before then, there is a chance you might not get back to it for a very, very long time. So please, I implore you, and this is as a reminder to myself as well, we can't ever stop creating. Always look to the future and always keep that passion. It's utterly important, and I know you can do it. I know everyone can do it. If you ever had an inkling to get started on something, then you have what it takes to finish. Just do it. Well, that's it for this time. Thank you very much for listening to the show. I appreciate you stopping by. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, please be sure to check out our website and keep track of the schedule. You can find us at www.societycasefiles.com or www.roberthazelton.com. Don't forget to follow or support the project at ko-fi.com slash societycasefiles. The next episode will air in a week. I'm looking forward to some interesting new content that I haven't done yet. So I hope to see you then. Thanks very much. Have a great week.